This is an oral history interview with former Representative Jim Slattery for the Robert J. Dole Institute of Politics at the University of Kansas. We're in uh, the Washington law firm of Wiley Rhine in Washington, D.C., and today is Thursday, April 26, 2007, and I'm Brian Williams. Let's start with uh, you telling me your first contact with uh, Senator Dole. Well, my, uh, my first contact was really as a freshman at Washburn University in 1967. Uh, I was 18 years old and, and working for the Wichita Eagle and Beacon as a teletype operator and um, having a chance to really observe the Kansas legislature for the first time. And I remember at uh, Washington Day and Kansas Day meeting all the political leaders in Topeka. And certainly one of them was, was Bob Dole. And he was at the time a congressman serving from the big first district of western Kansas and was clearly recognized as an up-and-coming political leader that had a lot of ambition and a lot of ability. And, and I remember clearly meeting him at, uh, at Kansas Day, which was with a typical uh, Republican day of celebration in, in uh, January of, of 1967. Give a little more detail of, of, of Washington Day, because uh, for re the rest of the country, that's probably an unfamiliar uh, event. Well, uh, Kansas Day is the day that the Republicans gather in Topeka uh, and have for probably a hundred years <laughs> to, to just celebrate Kansas and to celebrate the GOP. And uh, in 1967, uh, Senator Bob Dole was this... Uh, very uh, uh, ambitious and, and talented congressman from western Kansas and was well liked among the GOP faithful and, and uh, it was on that occasion in January of 1967 that I first met him in my capacity as a teletype operator for the, uh, for the Wichita Eagle and Beacon and I was working closely with, uh, with some reporters at the time that were covering Kansas politics and Lynn Holt and Ted Blankenship, uh, Al Polzinski were the, were the uh, writers for the Wichita Eagle and Beacon that I worked with, and, and they would offer their own commentary on Dole and others at the time. And, but uh, anyway, for an 18-year-old, it was a, a great way to be introduced to Kansas politics. And was your family background Republican or Democrat? or No, what? my family background was Irish Catholic Kansas farmer Democrat. <laughs> and I used to tell my father that there must have been five more of them uh, out there, but I didn't know where they were. To be Irish Catholic Kansas farmer Democrat was a rather interesting combination, but that was my background. My father was, was uh, someone who believed that FDR saved the country from revolution and, and uh, you know, regaled me with stories about the night that Roosevelt turned on the lights in rural America and all the wonderful things the New Deal uh, meant uh, for rural Kansas. And uh, he, he uh, was a great admirer of Harry Truman. So I came from a very strong Kansas farm, Democrat, Irish Catholic background. And uh, uh, so that was my background. And I, and I thought it was interesting that, that when I really got to know Senator Dole, that uh, I think that he and I had a sort of an unspoken um, common uh, respect for each other, perhaps, because we both came from these, these pretty uh, um, basic 
rural backgrounds. And, you know, Senator Dole was born in 1922 in Russell County, Kansas. And uh, his formative years were on the wind-swept dust, dusty prairie of Kansas during the Depression. And I don't think anybody can really understand and appreciate uh, Bob Dole without understanding where he came from. And I certainly didn't have that kind of a terrible Depression, Dust Bowl, growing up experience that Bob Dole had. But I grew up on a small family farm in, in Northeast Kansas, and I think that in a sense, Dole and I, I think, had sort of a cultural connection. And uh, I always respected where he came from, and I think perhaps he respected where I came from. Um, so you were, you were growing up in, in which uh, district? Let me, let me just check here just a second. Let me just check the focus on here. Um, which district were you, was your family living in? Well, uh, I grew up in the good intent farm community in Atchison County in northeast Kansas, which was in the second congressional district. And, and while I was in school at Washburn, that district was represented by, by uh, Congressman Bill Avery, I remember, and then he ran for governor and was succeeded by uh, my fellow Atchisonian, a man by the name of Chet Mize, who served in Congress, and, and then Congressman Mize was defeated by Dr. Bill Roy in the 1970 uh, election. And, uh, and then Dr. Roy uh, served two terms in the Congress and then challenged Senator Bob Dole when Senator Dole was running for re-election uh, in 1974. And that race was probably the most contentious and exciting political race um, of my lifetime in Kansas. I mean, it was an extremely close senatorial election. It was Bob Dole's first re-election campaign. Uh, Dr. Roy uh, was both a doctor and lawyer and had a rather meteoric rise in, in Kansas politics and uh, came within about 4,000 votes of defeating Senator Dole in 1974, which was the Watergate year and uh, it was a very difficult time for any Republican running for re-election, but um, uh, Congressman Roy uh, gave Senator Dole clearly his toughest Kansas race, and it was a it was a difficult year, like I say, for Republicans. Uh, and uh, Congressman Roy, I think, came within about one vote per precinct in Kansas of defeating Senator Dole in 1974. Let's back up just a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. What comments would you make about the Roy Mays, was it, uh, race in 70? What was that like? Yeah, well, in, uh, in 1970, I was in the military, and um, I came back uh, in late October 1970. And uh, I remember going into Atchison because... I knew that um, Congressman Mize was having a town hall meeting in Atchison about two weeks before the election. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, Dr. Roy was clearly giving him a very tough race, but a Democrat had not won the second congressional district in I don't know how many years. It would probably been 20-some years, and uh, I think there had been only one or two 
congressmen that were Democrats that were elected in that part of Kansas in the history of the state until that time. So uh, Dr. Roy's defeat of Congressman Mize in 1970 was a major upset, and Dr. Roy was one of the first uh, political leaders in Kansas that really was outspoken in his opposition to the Vietnam War, and he activated a lot of young Democrats in his campaign, uh, I think, with, with that message that, that uh, the Vietnam War was a, was a disaster and, and uh, needed to be ended. And um, I think that, uh, that energized a lot of that first campaign. I think Congressman Mize was, was stunned that, that this unknown doctor in Topeka was able to put together a campaign and defeat him in 1970. So were you politically active between 70 and 74? Uh, yes. I, I, I ran for the state legislature in 1972 and um, in Topeka as a law student and got elected and then I was serving in the Kansas House while I was finishing law school and then in 1974 I was running for re-election to the Kansas House uh, when I took a, a campaign position in the, in the Roy campaign uh, to, uh, to help Dr. Roy defeat Senator Dole. This, uh connection between being a, a law student at Washburn and serving in the state legislature sounds familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that Senator Dole did the same thing. I mean, he was, uh, he, he um, I, I've forgotten the exact chronology of it, but I think that, uh, that while he was um, in law school, he may have been in the state legislature. I'm not for sure. He was. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we have that in, that that common experience too. But uh, I, I I couldn't remember whether he served in the legislature after he was district attorney or county attorney in Russell County or before. Before was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, when I read that about him, and now hear it from you. Um, the question comes to mind what high premium was placed on being a member of the House of Representatives in the state of Kansas if students can, can get, get, get elected. Well, it was pretty rare for students to get elected. And, you know, there were 125 members of the Kansas House, and there were probably five that were in their 20s, five or 10. So it was a relatively small number in the Kansas legislature that were in their 20s at that time. But um, uh, it, was, it was a tremendous experience and, and a tremendous opportunity to serve. And while you served there, about 10 years after uh, Robert Dole had, had, had served there, uh, was he still talked about in the House of Representatives or did he leave a mark on that body in the state uh, when he moved on or well, anything? I, I, um, I know that Senator Dole spent a few years in the Kansas House. I don't know exactly how many, maybe two terms. But, um, uh, I mean, people knew Senator Dole. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think that, that um, he was viewed as a, you know, as a you know, major mover and shaker in the Kansas legislature. Um, but uh, certainly by the time I was serving there in between 1972 and 1978, I mean, he was emerging as a national figure and certainly well-known and, and, um, and uh, viewed as a, as a uh, sort of Mr. Republican, uh, both in Kansas and nationally. 
So um, tell me about your involvement in the Roy campaign in 74. <laughs> Uh, well, 1974 was a wild and crazy year for, for me. I got married in 1974, and, and I was running for re-election to the Kansas House, and uh, I was uh, also finishing up law school, if you can believe that, and then I was working literally day and night uh, on, on the Bill Roy campaign, and uh, I was the second congressional district coordinator uh, for the Roy campaign. We, we uh, won the second district, but we didn't win it by a margin uh, sufficient to offset the losses in other part of the state. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I remember that election very clearly in, because there were some very talented people involved on both sides of that campaign. And there were thousands of volunteers on both sides of the campaign. But I think in a national sort of historic sense, there were two things that, that, that uh, were very interesting in that campaign. One of them was it was perhaps the first major campaign in, in uh, American history where abortion was the deciding issue. And if you go back and check the election returns in, in that election, you will see that in the Catholic counties of Kansas, in Atchison County, in, in Wyandotte County, even Leavenworth County, Crawford County, Ellis County, Nemaha County, uh, those counties that, that uh, were also heavily Catholic and, and predominantly Democratic um, just didn't perform as well in the Roy Dole race as some might have expected. And many of us believe that it was because uh, a number of the Catholics in those counties voted for Dole principally because of the abortion issue. And um, in 1974, of course, was only one year after Roe versus Wade. And, and um, uh, Dr. Roy was rather unique in that he was uh, an OBGYN doctor. And um, so he, he was in a situation of having had to deal with that issue on a personal sort of patient basis. And, uh, uh, and Senator Dole, you know, very adroitly turned that issue on, on, um, on Congressman Roy in that campaign. And I think it was the decisive single issue in the campaign. The, the other thing that was interesting in that campaign, and, and I give Senator Dole a lot of credit for this because, I mean, it just shows how, how politically shrewd and clever, you know, he is. And uh, was, Dr. Roy was leading in that campaign until probably the last three weeks. And, um, and then going into Election Day, it was all about voter turnout. And um, I remember in the last couple of weeks of the campaign, uh, Senator Dole ran a commercial that, uh, that was just a simple picture of himself. And they developed it, I think, in Topeka. Uh, I'm told that maybe the, outside the WIBW studio there, but I, but I don't know for sure on that point. But it was very cleverly done because they just threw mud at a, a billboard or a yard sign of, of Senator Dole and then reversed it and, and you know, talked about the mud-slinging campaign. And it was a tough campaign, there's no question about it. Um, but I think it was, a, it was, for the most part, a very issue-oriented campaign. Uh, and, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of sort of personal hatred expressed on, on either side, although it was, there was a lot of intensity. 
but I think that it was still a very sort of issue-oriented campaign. But Senator Dole ran that commercial and, uh, you know, throwing mud on his, his, uh, his yard sign and then reversing it, very cleverly done, and it really did intensify the partisanship in a way that I think encouraged Republicans to sort of come home and, and vote for, for the Republican. And um, uh, I think it was very cleverly done. When did you, the uh, Roy uh, campaign become aware of the of the uh, pamphlets that were being or brochures that were being put on the windshields of cars at uh, Catholic churches and whatnot with this horrible picture of an aborted uh, fetus and so forth? Mm -hmm. when, when did that come to light? Well, I remember the discussions of that, and it was probably two or three weeks prior to the election. And uh, and again, these these uh, it was the Kansas Right to Life group that was just sort of being formed. That, that put these very colorful uh, pamphlets on, on windshields of cars. And, and that technique uh, was used, you know, in subsequent Kansas campaigns and in campaigns all over the country with great effect. But uh, clearly the Dole race of 1974 against uh, Dr. Roy in Kansas was, I think, the first race in the country where, where this issue was, was decisive. And I remember uh, the the campaign uh, discussions because I was meeting with the campaign manager and and uh, I was well I uh, was Catholic am Catholic and and I knew those communities pretty well especially in Northeast Kansas and um, you know I, we had a lot of debates about how to respond to those those ads and and uh, I wanted to to more actively involve some prominent Catholics in trying to respond specifically in, in those individual communities. And, and, um, and that, that approach was rejected as, as sort of manipulating or using the Catholic Church. And um, so, we, you know, we just didn't want to do that. And um, uh, the consequence was is that there really wasn't a very effective response to those ads. And, and the, those, those pamphlets were put together by sort of an independent operation, too, that, that enormously benefited Senator Dole, but I don't know that his campaign was directly involved in, like, putting them together and distributing them, although clearly the effort benefited Senator Dole. Was there a point where the Roy campaign sort of went into desperate mode? I wouldn't say so. I mean, when you're in a campaign that is as close as that campaign was, uh, I mean, we, there, were, there was a plan that was executed and enormous effort was made to identify voters and turn out voters and distribute literature and, and raise money to, to get the message on television. And uh, I think that the, the Roy campaign was, was uh, very well funded. Uh, thanks to the tireless efforts of a guy by the name of Bob Brock, who uh, was a hotel magnate in Topeka and um, a prominent Democrat and also a, an acquaintance of Senator Dole's dating back to their days at the University of Kansas. And uh, so, so the state was pretty small, I guess you might say. I mean, these people knew each other, you know, for, for 30 years. Um. I read that uh, the Dole campaign had had looked in Roy's voting record in the House and had found that he was absent on a number of occasions when veterans' bills were were voted on, mm -hmm. and so they they 
they made, they had this campaign uh, issue that Dr. Roy was AWOL when mm -hmm. it came to the veterans. And uh, I asked uh, some, some of the Dole people about that, and they said, well, Roy had done the same thing with, uh, with Dole's, that you'd gone in and sort of fine-combed his voting record to find issues that uh, you mm -hmm. could uh, assault him on. Uh, yeah. Is that true? Well, I, I think both sides really did very careful research. Nowadays it's called opposition research. And uh, both sides did a lot of that in that campaign. And, and they made the best case they could for, for their candidate's position. And um, as is always the case in hotly contested political campaigns, there's what in the advertising world uh, you call puffing the goods. You know? <laughs> and, and so there was probably a little exaggeration on both sides as you look back you know, to what was actually said at that time. But you know, I think it's safe to say that, that it was a hotly contested issue-oriented campaign, and a lot of it had to do with uh, many Kansans, Republicans, Democrats, and independents alike, who, who were upset with the Republican Party because of what was going on in Washington around Watergate. And they were, there was some effort and, uh, to associate uh, Senator Dole with Richard Nixon because he had served as chairman of the Republican National Committee in, in 1972. But, but um, you know, I think it's safe to say also that, that, you know, Senator Dole was not involved in any, any of the shenanigans around Watergate. And there was great effort to research all of that at the time to try and find out if, in fact, he was. But, uh, you know, I don't think there was ever any, any um, evidence to indicate that he was. And, uh, but uh, during the course of that campaign, certainly there were a lot of moderate Republicans that were really sort of fed up with uh, what they perceived as Senator Dole's, you know, overly partisan uh, persona in Washington on the national stage, and Kansans were uncomfortable with that. Uh, the moderate Kansans, especially on the Republican side, and thousands of them, you know, voted for uh, Congressman Roy. Did the national uh, parties play a big role in that 74 race? Oh, yes. I mean, national political leaders on both sides were, were coming to Kansas. And uh, I remember uh, uh, Senator Kennedy uh, coming to, uh, to Johnson County. And, uh, and uh, I, I, the problem that I think Senator Dole had was that um, even after Nixon's resignation in August of 1974, then shortly after, uh, about six weeks later, uh, President Ford pardoned uh, uh, Richard Nixon, and, and that sort of ignited a whole new uh, explosion, you might say. And, and uh, I'm sure there were times when Senator Dole uh, was wondering how in the world is he going to get through this gauntlet, you know, that he was, that he was facing. It was a terrible year for Republicans, to make a long story real short. And, uh, and Senator Dole, to his credit, uh, faced a very formidable, well-funded um, candidate and, and was able to pull out a, a victory in the toughest year that Republicans faced in probably a century, so, uh, or certainly since the depths of the, of the Depression in, in the 1930s. Did he rely on some Republican big guns to come in and help him? 
Well, I think he struggled at identifying, you know, those big guns in 1974 that were acceptable. And, um, you know, I think in the final analysis, I mean, Senator Dole, you know, won that election in 1974 sort of on his own. And he was involved personally, for example, I am told, in, in putting together that very uh, clever and effective uh, commercial where he threw mud on a yard sign and then reversed it and, and pulled the mud off and, and, and uh, you know, just accused Dr. Roy of a mudslinging campaign. And, and uh, it was a very effective uh, commercial, and I'm told that Senator Dole was involved in the production of that himself. I don't want to shortchange your own personal uh, career here uh, in terms of, of the Kansas no, we're, House. We're here, to, we're here to talk right. about Senator Dole, not me. So, well, <laughs> so. but we want to put it all in context. Yeah. So uh, what were the steps that brought you to run then for, for the House of Representatives, for Congress? Well, I served in the Kansas House uh, from 1972 until uh, January of 1979. And, um, you know, I, uh, I had started a business in Topeka with a... With a um, a friend, and that business had grown to the point that, that I could not be gone uh, three, four, five months uh, out of the year and serve in the Kansas legislature, so I had to make a choice between whether I was going to pursue a business career in Topeka or a political career in the Kansas legislature, and I, and I just felt like that six years of service in the Kansas House was was enough, and so I, I left uh, and retired from the Kansas House at the age of 28 <laughs> and dedicated the next few years of my life to my business career in Topeka. And, and then in 1982, I ran for, uh, for the U.S. House of Representatives. What business were you I was involved? in the real estate business. Uh, so uh, a friend of mine from college, a guy by the name of Jerry Brocious, uh, and I formed this, this company that we called Brocious and Slattery Real Estate and later uh, a man by the name of Bud Meyer joined us, so it was Brocious, Slattery, and Meyer. But uh, when we started, it was it was Brocious and Slattery, and we called it BS Real Estate. So, <laughs> yeah. since we're naming names here, uh, one mm -hmm. thing you told me before we uh, rolled tape was about some of the other people in that Roy campaign, uh, mm -hmm. colleagues of yours. Well, there were some very talented people involved in that campaign. Like I say, on on both sides of it. On the Democratic side, I know that uh, there were three uh, future members of Congress that were actively involved, and uh, I was the second district coordinator of that campaign for Dr. Roy. Dan Glickman was the fourth district coordinator and um, worked very actively in, in Wichita. And, um, and then Dan Watkins, who is a very prominent uh, uh, lawyer and political activist in Kansas to this day, worked in, in the... Um, the Kansas City area, and and uh, current Congressman Dennis Moore was very actively involved in that campaign, also in in the Kansas City area. So, the uh, three future members of Congress, and then and then in addition to that, uh, Congresswoman Martha Keys was very actively involved in in that campaign too. So, so um, uh, it was a fascinating sort of. Uh, training ground for future political leaders on the Democratic side in Kansas. What? I've often thought, said that that November 1974, in some respects, was sort of the high water mark of the of the Kansas Democratic Party. I don't know that that, that year there there was this very contested 
nationally uh, um, important senatorial race and a gubernatorial election involving Vern Miller and, and uh, Governor Robert Bennett. And um, both elections were decided by just a few thousand votes. So the Roy race was, uh, was decided by uh, approximately 4,000 votes, and I think the Vern Miller-Bob Bennett race was decided by about 2,000 votes. And one of the most unique parts of that campaign that we really struggled with on the Democratic side, and I have a feeling the Republicans were struggling with the same uh, problem, was that there were a lot of, and I mean thousands of people, that voted for Vern Miller and Bob Dole. Vern Miller was a very popular attorney general in Kansas that had previously won re-election as attorney general carrying all 105 counties in Kansas, something that is unheard of for a Democrat to do. So, but but uh, in 1970-72, in I mean, Vern Miller was a, was a very popular political personality in Kansas. And he was running for governor in 1974 to replace the four-time elected, very popular Robert Docking. And, um, but in that race, uh, uh, Vern Miller was a very conservative Democrat on a number of issues, and he was attracting uh, a lot of Bob Dole supporters. So you had Bob Bennett supporters, who was the Republican candidate for governor, voting for uh, the Democrat senatorial candidate, and you had thousands of, of people doing just exactly the opposite. So it was an enormously difficult proposition for us because as we were focusing in the last few weeks on getting out the vote and identifying that last vote, you had Roy volunteers that were actually begging <laughs> Roy supporters to go to the polls knowing that some of those people uh, were going to vote for uh, the Republican candidate for governor. And I'm sure the, the Vern Miller people were doing the same thing. They were begging some Democratic voters to go out and vote for Vern Miller, knowing that they were going to vote also for Bob Dole. So it was a very, very uh, a, a difficult situation to manage from the standpoint of the campaign. And, um, uh, you know, bottom line was there was just, I don't know how many thousand more, probably 75 to 100,000 more uh, registered Republicans at that time in Kansas than Democrats, and uh, they, they, you know, had enough extra votes to carry the day. But it was remarkable that the Democrats came so close to winning both of those races, even given those internal conflicts between the races. Now, 1982 seems to me like a slightly odd year for a Democrat to be uh, winning an election to the House. Well, it was it was a big Democrat year nationally because that was the that was the midterm election in in President Reagan's first term, and the country was in recession, and there was a lot of concern about you know President Reagan and just how far he was going, and and uh, you know what was going to be needed to turn the country around. So 1982 was a good year for Democrats nationally, and, and uh, in fact, uh, more than 60 new members of the House were elected that year. It was one of the biggest Democratic uh, classes in, in, in the history of the country. So it was a good year for Democrats in 1982. And who did you run against? Well, I ran ag uh, against um, a man by the name of Morris Kay, who had, who had been chairman of the Republican Party in Kansas and previously had been the candidate for governor in Kansas. 
And um, when I announced my candidacy for Congress, though, the incumbent, uh, Jim Jeffries, who was from Atchison, my hometown, um, uh, was the incumbent, and I, I had anticipated running against him. And then he delayed his decision to uh, retire until late May of uh, 1982, which really significantly disadvantaged the Republicans in terms of identifying a a formidable, you know, candidate, somebody that they could unite behind to, to run against me because I did not have any, any primary opposition that year. So when you got to uh, the House, um, what was Dole's reputation like from the perspective of the House at that point? Well, uh, I reported for duty in the, <laughs> in the House of Representatives in January of 1983, and at that time, uh, Senator Dole was the, was the uh, majority leader in the, in the United States Senate. And uh, I'm sorry, he was, he was uh, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee at that time, yes, and, um, and uh, he was in, you know, a position of very, very important national prominence, and, and one of the first issues uh, that we had to deal with was the imminent bankruptcy of the Social Security Trust Fund, and, um, and Senator Dole, as chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, uh, it worked very closely with, with the Democrats and the Reagan administration to craft the Social Security deal that was passed in 1983. So, uh, the, you know, Claude Pepper, Tip O'Neill, Dan Rostenkowski, and, and, and Jim Wright were, the, were the, the principal players in the House. And um, Senator Dole and, and the majority leader in the Senate and, and um, the Senate uh, Democratic leader I mean, they all work together in a bipartisan way to address the Social Security problem. And, um, and historic legislation was passed in 1983, and, and Senator Dole played a very key role in that. And I think that, that, that uh, the Social Security debate in 1983 was really uh, one of a number of examples of how uh, Senator Dole was really able when the doors were closed and a deal needed to be done for the good of the country, Senator Dole was in the game and he was doing what really needed to be done. He was a practical deal maker. He was not an ideologue in those debates. And to this day, I think that, 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 you know, that Senator Dole, um, you know, you can't call him an ideologue. And I think he's very uncomfortable with rigid ideologues of the right and rigid ideologues of the left. Senator Dole is a centrist, practical person with what we call in Kansas uh, good common sense. And um, I think that, uh, again, when, when the doors were closed and deals needed to be done, compromises needed to be made to solve a national problem, uh, Dole was at his best. And, um, and, and that's a high compliment uh, because um, there were a number of people in the political process that you know, n never stopped their mindless bumper sticker speeches and, and um, you know, never get to the point where they realize that the only way we keep this country together is with sensible compromise and, and give and take on both sides. And, and Senator Dole was certainly someone that, that, in my judgment, always understood the importance of compromise and the importance of com accommodating 
uh, people of different points of view, and that was the only way this country could could survive. That raises a kind of philosophical question mm -hmm. in my mind, and that is uh, <coughs> that ability to compromise had a very practical aspect. I mean, it, that was his role, to mm -hmm. sort of bring parties together. It could also mean that there was no sort of fundamental ethical uh, structure to his way of thinking, that he, was, you know, he could go either way on a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. would, would that be accurate or, or not? Well, I think that, that if you had to go back and say, what was Senator Dole really committed to? I would say that, that he was a classic Midwestern fiscal conservative. I think he believed in balanced budgets. I think that he was deeply troubled, as I was, and this was one of the things that we really shared in the 1980s was this, this deep just uh, uh, angst with these huge deficits that were, were being run up during the Reagan administration. And, um, and I think Senator Dole was very uncomfortable with that. So even though Senator Dole, for example, supported the Reagan tax cuts in, in 1981, uh, you know, the following year, I think he understood that, that, that we were going to have huge deficits that were just beyond comprehension unless something was done to restore a part of the, the revenue base, which he then led the effort to do. And uh, so that was the practical side of, of Senator Dole. And, you know, people like Newt Gingrich, you know, would, would you know, call him the tax raiser of the welfare state and those kind of, I thought, cheap remarks. But, but I mean, th those, were the, those were the comments of what I called, you know, the ideologues. And, and uh, Senator Dole, I think, was always very uncomfortable with, the, with that part of, of his party. And, uh, you know, he, he was, again, like I say, a fiscally conservative Midwesterner when it came to financial matters of the, of the federal government. And uh, he also, I think, believed very strongly in a strong national defense. He was a strong anti-communist. He, you know, he, he shared that view with Democrats like Henry Jackson and even John Kennedy. And, and um, so he, he was a strong anti-communist, strongly supported uh, a strong national defense. And then Senator Dole also, I think, was, was one of these people that understood, you know, I'm willing to work on the margins. And, and uh, I, th I think that's, that's really what he did. And, um, you know, one of the things that people never fully understood was that the difference between Ronald Reagan's uh, uh, budget request for the Pentagon and what liberal Democrats were, were advocating for a Pentagon budget was probably less than 10% of the total budget, 15% at the outside. So, <laughs> so oftentimes these deep debates that, te that, that became great you know, political uh, dividing points, if you will, oftentimes in the big picture of things involved a very small percentage of, of the overall budget. The other thing that was always, I think, um, a trademark of Senator Dole was that, that he had this, this um, very real streak of deep compassion for the less fortunate. And that was always something that Democrats didn't fully appreciate. And I think the right-wing Republicans like Newt Gingrich and that whole crowd um, were almost contemptuous of. Uh, and that was, he had a, he had a, a deep concern for people who were disabled 
He had a deep concern for people that were poor and, and where life had dealt them a tough hand. And I think that that's all rooted in, in that early experience growing up in the 1930s in Russell County, Kansas. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think we can even imagine today what it was like growing up out there in the 30s during the Dust Bowl days. And, and I think that, that I've been told at least, uh, I've never checked the, the voting records and stuff, but I've been told that the Doles were Democrats, that they were FDR Democrats in, in Russell County. And, you know, there's this wonderful story that Dole used to, to uh, tell about himself that when he was asked whether he was a Democrat or Republican, you know, he said, well, you know, how many Republicans are there and how many Democrats? And, and basically said, when told that there were twice as many Republicans in Russell County as Democrats, he said, well, I think I better be a Republican, you know. But, uh, I mean, Dole told that sort of story on himself. But, uh, but um, you know, I, I think that, that um, Senator Dole had that compassionate uh, concern about senior citizens, as, as was reflected in his commitment to, to making sure that the Social Security system survived. And, um, and I think that he was generally very supportive of Medicare, certainly recognized the importance of it in hospitals in rural America. He led the effort with George McGovern to enact food stamp legislation. And um, so Senator Dole, you know, was a complicated um, political leader when you look at his record in detail. He, was, he did some liberal things, he did some conservative things, and, and um, uh, I think that's why people like Newt Gingrich were never very comfortable with Dole, and why a lot of more people in the country, I think, uh, appreciated Dole as they got to know him more. Did you uh, ever serve on a conference committee or something where you were in with Dole in a and observing him uh, the, firsthand? Well, the, the, the closest that I came to that was I was on the budget committee and when, when Senator Dole was, was majority leader, and, and both he and I were very committed to, do, to doing anything we could uh, to reduce the huge deficits in the 1980s and early 1990s. And I remember several meetings where he would have the Kansas delegation together, and I was supporting a a freeze proposal in the House that was pretty tough medicine, and he was supporting something very similar in the Senate. And he was hoping that we would all be able to get together as, as, a, as a sort of a Kansas delegation. And, and certainly there was some you know, political motivation there, too, if he could get all the Kansas Democrats on board. I mean, he had covered his political flank in Kansas. But, but uh, he was also committed to really trying to do something real to reduce the deficits. And, and um, and I always appreciated that about him, and I and and uh, you know so we shared that sort of fiscal conservatism, and um, you know we had maybe different approaches in terms of how to to get a, a balanced budget or get the deficits dramatically reduced, but but for both of us I think the overriding objective was to get it done, and we were pretty flexible in terms of how we got it done, and you know and when you're into those situations. Uh, people can say, well, where are your principles? Well, your principle is that you think it's morally wrong or fiscally irresponsible to be presiding over huge deficits and passing incredible bills onto the next generation to pay. And, you know, that, that's the principle. And then you start talking about how you're going to get it done, and, and, and you can compromise there, you know, in terms of what kind of mix you have with with revenues and, and, and spending cuts, and, and that becomes just sort of what's politically possible almost. So, 
uh, I cite that as an example of, 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 again, a situation where I thought that Senator Dole was, was practical and non-ideological. You mentioned Social Security, Medicare, uh, ADA indirectly, and, mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Yeah, uh, the, the Americans with Disabilities Act was, uh, <laughs> it was really another amazing example of Dole's leadership in trying to, trying to enact uh, legislation that had a very, very uh, significant effect in Kansas and all over the country, and uh, uh, and, and it was a it was a very tough uh, pill for a lot of local units of government to swallow because I remember going out to the, the the county seats in my congressional district and and the county commissioners were facing this whole problem of making the courthouses and other county facilities accessible to the handicapped. And uh, they, were, they were incurring large expenditures to, to make renovations to the courthouse, for example, that they had you know, historically avoided doing. I mean, they, there weren't elevators going to the second floor. So people that were, were in wheelchairs you know, would have to wait out in front of the courthouse and somebody would bring down their, their license tag application or their tax forms or whatever had to be filed at the courthouse. And, um, and, and then with the passage of the American with Disabilities Act, I mean, these courthouses were required to make significant modifications. And I know that, that and, and many of those county officials were, were good Republicans. And I was the Democratic congressman. I voted for the ADA. And, and they were just giving me just unshirted hell for having voted for, for the ADA in some, some cases. And, and um, <laughs> I would you know, point out to them that, that Senator Dole was also a major supporter of this legislation and, and uh, that didn't seem to, to, to affect him one bit. But, uh, but it was, a, it was a, it's again another example of, of Senator Dole's, I think, really sincere compassion for, for disabled people that, that uh, were denied access to facilities, both public and private, all over the country. And, and, and now, you know, we take for granted things like curb cuts and and all the things that were done as a result of federal legislation to to make our our country more accessible to to people that were handicapped. What about farm legislation during the time that you were in Congress? Well, uh, again, I you know Senator Dole represented Western Kansas, the big first, predominantly small town, predominantly agriculture, and and he served as chairman of the of the Senate Agriculture Committee at at one time and and was a leading voice for farm policy in the country and the whole time he was in the United States Senate. And, uh, you know, I think that there again, I think that, uh, you know, Senator Dole, you know, did um, a pretty effective job of sort of keeping the farm programs all wired together and, and you know, and they were, they were enormously complex programs. And farmers were never satisfied with the farm programs. And, uh, you know, the current program is one that was crafted in large part by, by Senator Dole's successor, Pat Roberts, uh, but, um, and, and, and Secretary Dan Glickman. They played key roles in, in, in crafting the, the, the big part of the current farm bill. But from 1968 to, to 1968, 96 when Senator Dole left the Senate I mean he was a leading voice for, you know for farm policy and and federal policies affecting rural America in a, in a broad range of issues and 
you were not at variance with his point of view on, on farm legislation. Well, we were in general agreement, as, as was the entire Kansas delegation on farm policy. I mean, uh, at that time, there, were, there was a lot of perceived, I always I say perceived because the struggle between urban and rural wasn't near as intense as some of the people in, in, in rural America thought. But there was oftentimes a lot more disagreement among the representatives from rural America than there was between the urban people and the, ur and the rural people. So there was a lot of disagreement, for example, between the, you know, the, the Bob Doles of the world and the Tom Harkins of the world as to how to proceed with, with farm policy. So those were the, the, the debates that had to be worked out among representatives of farm country, and they were a lot more difficult to work out than any conflict between the urban representatives and the, and the rural representatives when it came to farm policy. Um, now, Iran-Contra came up during your time in Congress. Yes, it Do you did. Have any mm -hmm. comments to make on that? Um, well, it, it was a serious constitutional question, and uh, and it was a serious constitutional crisis for President Reagan, and. Uh, you know, bottom line was that, that you had a rogue uh, colonel <laughs> serving in the, in the United States Marine Corps, uh, but stationed in the White House, that was illegally involving this nation in not one war, but two wars. And um, supposedly operating out of the White House without the President's knowledge. And, um, you know, I've never, I've never uh, bought that explanation, frankly. I mean, I'm, I'm confident that that, that uh, the president's national security team and others knew knew what what Oliver North was up to, and and somebody sanctioned it, or he wouldn't have been doing it. But uh, you know, President Reagan later testified, even after he left office, that he couldn't recall you know certain things, and and um, you know that may have been legitimate. I mean, it may have been in the early phases of of um, Alzheimer's or what have you. But, um, but the, long story, the long story short is, is that, that it was a serious constitutional crisis, in my judgment, because laws were on the books prohibiting uh, military assistance to the Contras, who were, who were the uh, 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 counter-revolutionary forces in Nicaragua that were fighting the Sandinista government in Nicaragua. And um, uh, there were laws on the books, the Boland Amendment, that prohibited uh, military aid to the Contras. And there were also laws on the books that prohibited assistance to Iran. Well, as, as we now know, there were efforts made to, to provide military assistance indirectly to, to uh, Iran and use the proceeds from the sale to assist the, uh, the Contras in Nicaragua. Well, it was a pretty far-fetched scheme, frankly, but uh, and it was illegal, and the, the Reagan White House was involved in all of that, and uh, you know President Reagan uh, came pretty close to facing some impeachment charges. So it was a, it was a very delicate time, and uh, a, a very uh, a dangerous time for the Reagan administration. The dark, the dark days of the Reagan administration. To make a long story short. Um, and what about Dole's role in all of that as the Republican leader? Well, uh, clearly there were a lot of uh, Iran-Contra hearings 
and uh, you know I, I think that uh, you know Senator Dole um, uh, was involved as the leader, but nevertheless, I mean these hearings were were uh, were held, and and Congress assumed its responsibility of oversight, and um, you know I, I don't recall uh, you know anything uh, that Senator Dole was doing in that in that process that was anything other than performing his duties as, as uh, uh, a leader of the Senate. Now, when Bill Clinton came to office, mm-hmm. uh, you were still in the House of Representatives. Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob Dole played pretty hardball with the Clinton administration for the first uh, couple yes, of years. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, yes. With a climax, maybe, with a health care issue. Yes. I was involved in right in the middle of it all. So explain yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think that um, in the in the first days of the Clinton administration, uh, I think that that Senator Dole, you know, in all candor, I mean, he basically told President Clinton that not to expect one Republican vote in the Senate, and uh, he, he may have also said don't respect don't expect one Republican vote in the House. Uh, for your deficit reduction uh, plan if it involves any tax increases. And I think that everybody understood that there was no way you were going to be able to pass a significant deficit reduction plan without some kind of tax increases as part of it. And, uh, you know, to Senator Dole's credit, during, during the Reagan years and during the Bush years, he played a very constructive role in the different... Uh, deficit reduction compromise packages that involved fee increases, tax increases, and spending reductions to to uh, to pass uh, deficit reduction plans, and he was there as a constructive participant. Uh, I think that in the first few years of the of the Clinton administration, I mean, he signaled to President Clinton early on, "Don't count on one Republican vote," and so so uh, there was not one Republican vote in either the House or the Senate for the Clinton deficit reduction plans that passed in 1993. And uh, many of us believe that 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 deficit reduction plan that was ultimately passed by one vote in both the House and the Senate really set an important part of the foundation uh, for the kind of economic growth that we experienced in the 1990s, just, you know, about seven years of continuous economic growth, virtually unheard of in our nation's history. And Republican leadership like, like Newt Gingrich you know, were out on the floor of the House, you know, saying that if you passed this deficit reduction plan, the country was going to be plunged into a great recession. Well, he was dead wrong, but we don't keep track of how, how, how wrong people are sometimes in, this, in, the, in our political system today. But... Um, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that those plans were passed by only Democratic votes, and they were very tough votes that Democrats had to cast. And Republicans basically adopted the political strategy of we're not going to vote for anything that President Clinton uh, really wants in this area, and they were they were committed to that policy. I personally believe it was a very irresponsible policy for Republicans, but it was a very effective political strategy. And I think Senator Dole, you know, at that point was was the partisan leadership in the Senate, and he was he was basically communicating accurately, truthfully, honestly to the new president, you know, don't count on us to help you with a deficit reduction plan. Uh, 
Now, on the issue of, of health care reform, which became, you know, the, the monster issue of 1993 uh, I think Senator Dole... Um, at the front end of that process, and his very able assistant at the time, a person by the name of Sheila Burke, was, was a nurse and, and a very capable uh, chief of staff for Senator Dole. But I think that, that Senator Dole really wanted to pass some kind of health care reform legislation. He sponsored uh, a, a bill and worked very closely with then Senator Chafee from Rhode Island. And, uh, and several other moderate senators in trying to craft a, uh, a alternative to the Clinton health care plan. And I advised President Clinton in uh, 1993, 94, to, to pick up the phone and call Senator Dole. And whatever Senator Dole was willing to do in health care reform is what he could get done. And if he didn't pick up the phone quickly, that was going to change. And I think, for whatever reason, uh, that was not done by President Clinton. But, but at, at an early point in that, in that discussion on health care reform, had President Clinton reached out to Senator Dole and, and said to Senator Dole, let's work together on health care reform, I think he could have gotten Senator Dole locked into some very important principles around health care reform that could have become law. But uh, President Clinton and the team around him made some very bad judgments about just how to politically proceed. And, and uh, the fact that the Senator Hillary Clinton, uh, at the time First Lady Hillary Clinton, was put in charge of the health care task force was a political disaster, uh, even though Senator Clinton knew health care as well as anybody in the city. Uh, it was just a political disaster. But, uh, but um, Senator Dole, early on, I think, was a willing participant. But for whatever reason, uh, President Clinton just did not reach out quickly enough to Senator Dole to solidify a, an agreement with him that could have become law. And then by the time that he was willing to do that, Senator Dole's uh, uh, troops in the Senate, the, mem- the Republican members in the Senate, had, had abandoned any idea of health care reform, and for political reasons, they wanted to defeat any Clinton health care initiative, and they wanted to prevent any health care initiative from passing for political reasons, and that was, that was all led principally by, by Newt Gingrich at the time. And uh, again, in my judgment, very irresponsible from the standpoint of what's good for the country, but good politics in the short term, and it was enormously effective because the defeat of the Clinton health care plan in 1994, I think, was one of the principal reasons uh, why the Republicans could, took control of the, of the House of Representatives for the first time in, in nearly 50 years and, and, uh, and uh, also took control of the United States Senate. Right at the end of this tape, so I'm going to stop. Were you uh, ever in the position of being sort of an apologist for Senator Dole among your colleagues on the House side? Um, an apologist for Senator well, Dole? Yeah, they come and say, oh, this guy, you know, is just, uh, I mean, such a scowling. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, no, I mean, you know, Senator Dole was well known, you know, by the people that I worked with and the leadership on both sides of the political aisle in the House, and and um, you know, he had his own reputation, and and the people understood when it came to certain issues that that you know he could be very practical and and non-ideological, and on other issues he was sometimes you know he was he was the partisan Republican leader of the Senate, and so that was just that was a given, and everybody understood that. Um, had he ever approached you uh, to become a Republican? <laughs> Actually, he, you know, he indirectly did, yes. And he, he uh, has jokingly, to this day, you know, tells me that had I switched parties, you know, I could have been serving in the United States Senate. And, um, and um, anyway, I, I think he means that as a compliment. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yes, he had, he, he's on several occasions sent emissaries to me suggesting that it would be a good idea for me to switch parties if I really wanted a political career in Kansas politics. And, and, and the sad fact of the matter is he was probably right. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I, I was a, uh, and, I, and am a Democrat and, and will die a Democrat. So I think I frustrated Dole on that point. Did you, uh, how would you characterize your personal relationship with the senator? Well, uh, while I was in the Congress, um, you know, Senator Dole was, would regularly visit Topeka, and uh, whenever uh, I was up for re-election, you know, every other year, uh, Senator Dole would, would come to Topeka and hold a fundraiser for my opponent and, and uh, show up and, you know, make the uh, obligatory remarks that, for those events. But uh, he got to the point where what he would say is, he says, there's only one thing wrong with Jim Slattery, and that's that he's a Democrat. <laughs> and and uh, um, to make a long story short, um, I uh, developed a, a very good working relationship with his staff, and, and I, for example, would uh, take a lot of referrals uh, from his staff to, to our office on veterans' issues. And I was on the Veterans Committee in the, in the House, and we we worked uh, very hard in terms of just trying to take care of veterans that had 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 problems with the veterans administration and uh, senator dole's office would refer you know constituents certainly in my congressional district to my staff in in my offices in topeka to uh, to deal with those kind of of, uh, of veterans issues but uh, on other issues affecting kansas and on national issues especially around fiscal policy uh, we were uh, we were uh, able to work together. I think very closely. And on a personal level, um, you know, I, I grew to have a lot of respect for for Senator Dole. And I sort of transitioned from 1974, when when I and a number of other young Democrats and moderate Republicans in Kansas were working very hard to to defeat Senator Dole. To by the time I was serving in the Congress, you know, ten years later. I had grown to respect him, and uh, and the longer that I served, really, in the Congress, you know, I think uh, my my admiration, and respect for him as a political leader, uh, really grew, and I oftentimes would you know appear on on the same platform with him, and we always uh, treated each other with with I think mutual respect, and and uh, you know we weren't out there politically, you know, trying to stab each other. Were you ever on a Jim and Bob uh, sort of 
relationship. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, you know, he called me Jim, and you know, I would call him Bob, and, and generally I called him Senator, except when we were together in private. But um, uh, no, I, I think we, we had a, had a, you know, a, a good, good relationship. What kind of events were they likely to be that you and he would appear together? Oh, just the, the typical sort of political events that you would have in Washington when, when groups of Kansans would come to Washington and then there were times in Kansas where there would be mutual appearances before different business groups or, or different you know, uh, uh, events in Topeka Civic type groups where we would occasionally appear together and, and, uh, and then there were, there were times of celebration when you would be on the same platform together too. And, that was always a great challenge to follow Senator Dole or precede Senator Dole because he always had such a great wit and and uh, he was a great entertainer uh, on those occasions and and he always felt a you know some degree of pressure at least I did to to you know have some uh, you know humorous story to tell or something to just you know to compete you might say with 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 Dole. Do you recall uh, any any successful uh, stories? Oh, there? listen, I, I don't even pretend to to match Senator Dole's wit. I mean, he was he was just uh, he was a very very effective you know humorist, and uh, and he he was just he had a, he had an extraordinary ability to walk into a room and and uh, and have everybody sort of entertained very quickly, and uh, and and it was always funny because I always tried to use those occasions to try to you know, share some information with my constituents, and hopefully, I was always in sort of selling mode, you know, and trying to, you know, explain a vote or explain a position I was taking on an issue or explain something going on in Washington. And I saw that as a very important part of my role as a member of Congress. And uh, I think when you were a Democrat representing a Republican district, you know, there was never any margin for error, and you were constantly, you know, trying to to uh, you know, either explain what you were doing or sell your point of view to to your constituents who may have been by political inclination uh, tending to be on the other side. Uh, so you had a constant educational mission to perform if you were going to politically s survive. And Senator Dole never labored under that burden, <laughs> being a very prominent Republican in a, in, a, in one of the most Republican states in the union. You know, so he always had a significant margin of error, and, and I don't think he ever really felt a great burden to, to, <laughs> to educate, <laughs> shall we say, you know, his constituents. And I think that he, you know, really did wisely, perhaps, you know, understand that, that you know, you could connect with people by helping them laugh a lot quicker than you could by helping them think. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so uh, I think that was, uh, that was his great skill as a politician. So uh, what uh, <clears throat> motivated you to end your career in the, in the House? Well, it was not entirely voluntary, you understand. <laughs> I, uh, I ran for, the, for governor in 1994. So uh, I, I had been in the House for, for 12 years, and I, had, I was elected first when I was 34, and I served until I was 46. And uh, it was an incredible experience, great opportunity to serve, but I frankly became very frustrated with with the institution, and um, and I, I'm, I'm by nature very impatient, and I I don't have the the patience for just the constant political game playing that goes on in in the House of Representatives, and I always felt that I was psychologically much 
much uh, better suited to be an executive and, and I thought that uh, in 1994 that if you really wanted to make a difference for your state uh, that you could do it best as, as governor. So uh, a combination of sort of being frustrated in the Congress as one of 435 even though I was on some very, very good committees and, and uh, the prospect of, of you know, having to wait 10 or 15 years uh, to be chairman of a committee or subcommittee uh, I mean, I just I wanted to do something different, and um, I picked the wrong year to run for governor of Kansas. What was that like? Well, 1994. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, President Clinton's approval rating in in Kansas was hovering around 30 percent, probably in in in, uh, in most of the state, and um, uh, we have just come off a you know sort of a brutal political gauntlet here in Washington with everything from. From 1993 through through the end of 1994, I mean, we, we started out with, you know, the, the issue around gays in the military, and and then we we had a whole bunch of issues around the White House, whether it was what was called at the time, Travel Gate, and 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 uh, and then Whitewater, and all those investigations that were going on, but then we had those very tough budget votes where we passed uh, major legislation. Um, to dramatically reduce the deficit, and it involved some tax increases that were unpopular. It involved significant spending cuts and tough votes during the process. And then we had the Brady Bill, and then we had uh, um, the um, assault weapon ban also was passed in 1994. And, and NAFTA was another very, very contentious issue. And then the, the sort of the climatic uh, political battle was around health care in 1994. So it, it was a political gauntlet that, that a very ambitious young Democratic president was leading the Democrats through, and it was just too much for the country to swallow. And, um, and uh, um, 1994 was, was a year when, when uh, the country basically said, this is going too far too fast, and, and uh, the Republicans very effectively turned the healthcare debate into into a sort of a referendum on do you want more sort of big government more taxes more intrusive government in your life yes or no and if you if you vote yes for these democrats you're voting for big government and all these terrible things if you vote no you're voting for a new direction and the country voted no they wanted a new direction and and they got a new direction with uh, with you know Gingrich and and the takeover of the of the house and the takeover of the senate in, in 1994, and anyway, it was in that it, it was in that uh, firestorm that I <laughs> made the mistake of running as a Democrat in Republican Kansas for governor. Did and you come close? No, and uh, it was one of these situations where the best Republican candidate running got the nomination, and 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 he was he was um, a moderate Republican. That, that was as far from the Newt Gingrich crowd as you could be, but a, sort of a Republican out of the Kassebaum wing of the Republican Party in Kansas. And really the last moderate statewide Republican to win the nomination for a statewide Republican office in Kansas. And, uh, and he was virtually impossible for a Democrat to defeat because he was a moderate Republican. And, and Democrats in Kansas running statewide historically are only successful if they're running against an, an unpopular incumbent or if they're running against a real sort of extreme right-wing Republican candidate that can be clearly 
position in, in that wing of the Republican Party, and then the Republican moderates move and vote for the, for the, for the Democrat moderate candidate. So uh, that's been the secret of Kathleen Sebelius's success, is that she's been able to uh, position herself as a moderate Republican, and I mean moderate Democrat, and the moderate Republicans have supported her as she ended up running against very conservative Republicans that were rejected by the urban moderates in Kansas. Well, I ended up having the misfortune of running against a, a Republican urban moderate. <laughs> so. Now, uh, <clears throat> the man that replaced you in the House of Representatives was Senator Brownback. Brownback, that's correct, yes. So mm -hmm. your district moved strongly rightward. My, my district had, had sort of a historic tendency of moving, you know, from the right wing to moderation on the, on the Democratic side. So, you know, uh, Congressman Bill Roy defeated Chet Mize, who was, a, who was a pretty conservative, typical Midwestern conservative in 1970, served for four years, and then Martha Keyes, who was probably the most, you know, liberal representative the district certainly uh, had had, um, served for four years, and then she was defeated in 1978 by a very conservative uh, member, Jim Jeffries from Atchison, who served for four years, and then he didn't run for re-election. I was elected as, I think it's fair to say what most people call a moderate Democrat, and served for 12 years, and, uh, and I was replaced by Sam Brownback, who was, again, another very conservative member, and uh, he was followed by Jim Ryan, another very conservative member, and now we have a moderate Democrat. So it's, the district does move, and it has a history of, of sort of moving from the very conservative wing back to sort of moderation. So it'll be interesting to see how long uh, it stays in the moderate camp. You mentioned uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement right. a moment ago. Would you mm -hmm. just make a few comments about that? Well, uh, Senator Dole was a, was a strong supporter of NAFTA. Uh, I did not support uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement. I may have been wrong in all candor, but I, I was very concerned at the time uh, at uh, whether the agreement would be actually enforced in Mexico effectively. So I was advocating that there be a 10-year period of sort of revisiting this so that after it had been in place for 10 years, both countries would vote to extend it. Uh, if it if it was working as promised, then I thought it would be an easy vote to extend in, nor in the United States and in Mexico. And, uh, but anyway, I ended up voting against the NAFTA, and um, Senator Dole voted for it. Uh, he may have been right, and I may have been wrong, but um, uh, you know, I, I made the best judgment I could at the time. What impact has that had on Kansans? Well, it would depend on who you talk to in all candor. I mean, there are people in Kansas to this day who believe that NAFTA was a terrible decision. A lot of people, certainly that, that uh, blue-collar workers who believe that, that a lot of their jobs have been lost to Mexico, and, and uh, they cite the, the, the tremendous trade deficit with, with Mexico right now, for example, as evidence of the fact that it has certainly benefited Mexico, but hasn't benefited the United States as much as it has Mexico. But um, I think that was sort of inevitable, and uh, the, as as you opened up and had more trade with Mexico, that that the uh, that the Mexican economy and workers in Mexico would would have more opportunities than Americans in moving forward, and uh, so I think the trade deficit we had today with Mexico 
sort of uh, makes that point and, and verifies that, that there's been a lot more um, coming to this country from Mexico than has been sold in Mexico. I think my last question is, is this, um, unless you have anything else mm -hmm. to add, please do. Um, Twenty years from now, people may not, young people in particular, may not know much about Bob Dole, mm -hmm. if at all. Mm -hmm. What would you tell someone 20 years from now? About, yeah. about I, well, I would say that, that, uh, that Bob Dole was really one of the political giants of the, of the 20th century at the national level. I mean, he, his service in Washington commenced in January of, of 1961 with a young Democratic president, John Kennedy, in the White House and extended until uh, really he, he walked away from the Senate in 1996 when he was running for president uh, against President Bill Clinton. And so that was an incredible period to be on the national stage. And Bob Dole played a significant role in virtually every major national decision over, you know, a 30-plus year period of time. And uh, that, that, to me, qualifies him as, as one of the giants of the, of the, uh, of the 20th century in, you know, in the national political arena. I would say further that, that uh, he was a product of growing up on the prairie of Kansas in, in the Depression years and the Dust Bowl years, and, uh, and his probably defining moment as a young man was being, was being uh, shot and, and nearly killed in, in service to the country in uh, 1945, in the waning days of World War II. And I think that... Uh, he was a, a very complex man, as most great men are, and uh, he was he was uh, he, in his political career. He was he was committed to I think fiscal responsibility, to a strong national defense, and I think he was also committed to trying to make sure that the less fortunate in our country, those that are seniors and those that didn't have good health care, and and the disabled got a fair shake. And I think on balance, you know, Senator Dole is going to be, uh, going to be uh, treated very fairly in history. And uh, I think he provided this country a lot of good leadership. There were times when his partisan edge would be exasperating to me and many moderate Kansas Republicans in all candor. Um, but, um, you know, I would say he was Mr. Republican for the better part of 20 years. In our in our uh, nation's uh, political history. Great. Anything to add? I think we probably covered it, haven't we? Good. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. There's one other thing I would add, also, and that is, okay. you know, wait, wait a minute. Let me let yeah. me roll again. Okay. Yeah. When I when I look back on Senator Dole's career, I would I would say that that if I had to use one word to describe him, it would be patriot. And and I and I say that in all sincerity as somebody who was on the other side of the political aisle. And and I believe it because because Senator Dole did serve this country in combat. He almost died in service to this country. And I always believe that when the doors were closed and tough decisions had to be made. You could always count on Bob Dole 
to do the thing that he really believed was in the best interest of this country. And he was willing to take political risk uh, to deal with the big issues in, in, in a way that he believed was in the best interest of the country. I mean, there were times when he gave in to the political pressures of the moment, like all political leaders do. But in crucial times, I think Bob Dole was there and he stood up and he delivered for the country. And, and I think that, that in the final analysis, uh, he is a man who loves this country and he understands this country, you know, based on his experiences growing up in Russell County, Kansas, in the Depression and the Dust Bowl, and, and understood and understands how important the federal government can be in making the lives of people in this country better. And he understands that because he benefited from it. After the war, I mean, he spent four years in, in VA hospitals and, and uh, he benefited from the, from the veterans programs to go to law school to buy his first house. And, and he understood what, what the New Deal meant to, to Kansas and he understood what, what government programs meant to farmers and he understood the importance of Social Security and Medicare. So he was a guy that was never comfortable with the anti-government rhetoric of, of President Reagan and, and, and also the anti-government rhetoric of, of Newt Gingrich. And uh, so, but I think in the final analysis, Bob Dole uh, will be viewed in history as a, as a, as a, a leader, a giant of the 20th century and a, and a real patriot. And uh, that's, that's the highest compliment I can pay of, uh, of somebody that was a, at times a political adversary. Great.